0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Can you believe it's the month of June already? Isn't time flying by? It's a bit scary, and as I get older, the quicker it seems to go. And uh, i tell you how I know it's June. I, I woke up yesterday, and to my daughter pinching and punching me for the first day of the month... And I thought, oh, that's a wonderful way to uh, start the month. (laughs) But nothing's changed, obviously, since my day. Well, it's my pleasure tonight to launch our new series, By My Spirit. And many of you will be familiar with the passage in Zechariah 4, 6, which says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And over the next nine weeks... Uh, together, we're going to be working our way through the book of Acts, through chapters 1 to 13, and just unpacking some of the, the ways and stories of the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in the early days of the church. And tonight, we uh, look in particular at uh, the Holy Spirit and as God's promised power. And uh, as I was reflecting in preparation for this message, it struck me that it's a timely one. Uh, because Dan Patterson, who was here a few weeks ago for our Clash of Conviction series, spoke a lot on, uh, or revealed a lot of great insight about sexuality and gender and discipleship, but in a quiet moment with ministry leaders, he said something that really struck me. He said, one of the greatest dangers facing Western Christianity today is spiritual poverty, Or, what he called uh, being spiritually poor, having lacking in spiritual strength. He went on to explain what he meant, which was that, you know, we live at a time when we can access good quality Christian teaching uh, through podcasts, through DVD series, through online courses, anywhere and everywhere we can have access, and we are accessing this good quality teaching and it's not bad in and of itself. You know, we need to love the Lord our God with our minds. We need to have sound theology and be able to rationalise our faith and as we share it. But he said the risk is that because we also at the same time live in a fast-paced world where we're busy all the time and often listening to these things on the fly, there's a danger that we substitute uh, Christian teaching just what we hear and consume mentally and informationally, we substitute that for genuine Christian living. You know, we become people who know a lot about Jesus, but do we actually know Him? And I was personally challenged by that, and our scripture this evening really reminds us that God's desire and design is that we experience Him daily in the power and presence of His Holy Spirit as we live out this life on earth and not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world around us. So turn with me now to, to Acts 1, 4 to 8. The, unfortunately, the scripture I uh, sent starts at 4. I'm going to actually read from verse 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. You know, this side of history, it's easy to read a passage like this and, and gloss over it uh, because we know that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, the Holy Spirit has been sent and we live in an awareness of that as truth. But this passage really is announcing for the first time into human history that God is with us in human beings abidingly, permanently, forever. And it's a moment in history that God was waiting for since the fall. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve without barrier, without separation. He walked with them, he talked with them, he had life with them. But when they sinned against him and all of us since, there came a separation and his heart was broken and he longed for a day where that fellowship would once be restored fully in power once again. So as the years unfolded from the garden and as human beings went about their own way, God at different times would only send his spirit on particular people at particular times for specific purposes. He would use that to redeem Israel as they got themselves into trouble inevitably. But as the years and the generations moved on, he began to speak through his prophets and his prophets began to see and foretell a day where God would pour out his very life, his very person into all flesh. In Joel, he says that he will pour out his spirit on every kind of person, male and female, old and young and restore his kingdom and power to the earth. And so when we pick up in this passage It's an exciting time for the disciples. This is what everyone's been waiting for. And Jesus himself, before he died, had been saying, hold on, I'm going to send you my spirit. And the rest of the book of Acts really describes how this actually unfolds as the disciples and many others whom they come into contact with receive the Holy Spirit and experience his extraordinary power. But it's important that we take stock and remember and be reminded constantly even that, you know, the age of the Spirit being poured out and baptising people and empowering people in amazing ways didn't end with the first disciples. It's continued on since that day and has continued to reach more and more people and is amongst us today. In Acts two thirty-eight thirty-nine, 39 the Apostle Peter gets up to a crowd after the Holy Spirit's first fallen and he says to them all, repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And you know, we fit into that category. We're certainly, some 2,000 years later, those who are far off and those whom the Lord our God is calling. So as we uh, move on this evening, I just wanted to unpack a little bit about what this promised power of the Holy Spirit looks like to enable us to witness to the world. You know, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will witness the world to the world. It's not even a command, it's just a statement of fact. It's a reality that will unfold. So the first way we see the Holy Spirit empower us is in what I'm calling personal transformation. It's that inner new life, what the Bible calls sanctification, where the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and begins to reveal the love of God to us. He begins to uh, reveal that Jesus is is alive today. He's not dead. He's actually the Messiah. He's the one who rose and lives eternally with the Father and has made a way, gone before us into an eternity that is ours to experience. You know, He gives us the ability to think differently, to feel differently, to desire differently, to become more and more in the likeness of Jesus Himself. And you know, for me, one of the things that first happened when I gave my life to Christ I was uh, 18 years old and had grown up in a Christian home but lived my own way for my teenage years Uh, and I I was very much into punk and heavy metal and grunge type music uh, as all my friends were and uh, and it was all I could really listen to. It's all I wanted to listen to and uh, I used to come to church and hate worship times and I used to... uh, my parents used to have it on non-stop at our house and just really hate it and hide away in my room and blare my own music back in retort. And uh, But when I came to the Lord and received His Holy Spirit, one of the curious things for me personally was that I couldn't listen to that music anymore. And, it's, you know, if you listen to that, that's fine. But for me, one of the things the Holy Spirit did was He, he said, no, that's not for you anymore. And he, he basically birthed in me this desire to only listen to worship music. And over the years, it's been a bit of a, a miffing to my wife who loves radio, loves all kinds of music, uh, but I, I'm not quite the same. And so it's created a bit of tension at times. But it's just this, this strange manifestation of the Spirit where all I ever want to listen to is the praise of God. And uh, it had a curious effect one day when I was in my car... Uh, in my early 20s, driving my cousin from Melbourne around and had a worship CD in my car, and and she's not from a Christian home and uh, had no experience of church or Jesus. And uh, as we were listening to the music in the car, she just said, this is really good. And she began to listen and enjoy the words, I think it was a Hillsong uh, CD, and uh, by the end of that car trip, she, she said, can I have that? And she took it home for herself And it's just, you know, God sowing seeds through the Spirit sort of just naturally working in our lives. You know, He brings power to break people free from sin, from bad habits, addictions, all the sorts of things that we're powerless to break free from ourselves. And, you know, we hear stories regularly of of the Spirit moving in lives of drug addicts and uh, other people who struggle with things that they can't seem to break free of, but the Lord touches them powerfully. And over time, the Spirit works in us to develop new characteristics called fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as these things begin to show up in our lives, people do notice. They may not say anything all the time, and they may not understand why, but they begin to notice. And there's actually a lot of historians who say that Christianity spread so rapidly and effectively in the early days because of the way Christians generously loved each other and their pagan neighbours. It was as they experienced the love of God poured out into their heart and poured it out themselves that people began to notice something strange going on and respond and one writer in particular comments this, He says, the practical application of charity was probably the most potent single cause of Christian success. The pagan comment, see how these Christians love one another, was not irony. Christian charity expressed itself in care for the poor, for widows and orphans, in visits to brethren in prison or condemned, to the living death of labor in the mines, and social action in time of calamity, like famine, earthquake, pestilence, or war. And you know, I've been really uh, excited this year in our own context as, uh, well, and I'm speaking particularly of what I've seen at Kubi, which is uh, where I regularly worship. And, you know, we've had a couple of testimony days this year where people just get up and, and express what God's been doing in their lives and the way He's been changing them and speaking to them and causing them to desire new things. And Uh, We've had uh, quite a few baptisms and people, and we had three last week, and they're getting up and saying, you know, just over the last 18 months, I've come to experience the reality that God loves me. And you know, it's just grown and it's grown. And as it's grown, I want to now stand before others and say, Jesus is my Lord and he loves you and you can be loved by him too. You know, the other thing that we've seen really explode in the last couple of years is uh, people volunteering their time to become street chaplains and uh, join prison fellowship and uh, helping the homeless in different programs, other uh, aid-type agencies, just volunteering their time because the love of God has struck them and they want to serve out there and spread the love of God to people around us. There's signs among us now, that the Spirit's power of inner transformation is beginning to, to not only happen, but to seep out into the world around us. And there's this beautiful quote that says, "...the world can answer our argument so as to confuse the listener, but it can have no reply to an unimpeachable purity." The world can answer our argument so as to confuse the listener, but it can have no reply to unimpeachable purity. And I I listened to uh, a lady called Rosaria Butterfield uh, share her testimony. She's well known now, but she was a a lesbian gay activist at one stage and very passionate for gay rights and causes. And uh, she came to faith, but it didn't happen through... Uh, what we might call a power encounter or anything like that. It actually happened because she was researching uh, for a book that she was writing uh, about the religious far right and and she just happened to receive a call from a pastor in her area uh, and she jumped at the opportunity to talk to this pastor. The backstory to the pastor calling was that uh, one of his congregation members had read a story about... uh, Uh, sorry, read an article that Rosaria had written in a newspaper and he was stirred up about it, he was angry about it because she was uh, fighting for gay rights. And so he went to his pastor and said, look, we need to do something about this woman. And so the pastor called her but instead of blasting her, he invited her home to have a meal with his family. And he continued to invite her home to his family for a meal and they would just talk about the Bible, about matters of life And she said, you know, two things happened that struck her when she first met him. First, uh, he didn't ask her to come to church and he didn't, you know, point out anything about her sin or preach the gospel to her. He just got to know her. And then over time, as they began to talk and relate and discuss, she realized that she was changing and that Jesus Christ was alive and loved her. And her life has been radically changed ever since. And you know, this is the power of the Spirit at work in us that sheds abroad to those around us. The second way the power of the Spirit often we see work is in what I called outward demonstrations of the miraculous. And it's a fancy title, but really all I mean is that, you know, the Holy Spirit brings us dreams and visions and uh, works in answering prayer and in the spiritual gifts... In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that the Holy Spirit gives each person a spiritual gift for the common good. Things like wisdom, knowledge, healing, helping, guidance, miraculous power, prophecy, speaking or interpreting tongues and discerning between spirits amongst a few. And you know, I had this on just Friday, just gone. I had a friend call me and say, look, uh, there was a prophecy I received uh, three years ago about a, a career vocation that would come up for me and I just wanted to let you know that that's actually happened today. A door's been opened and I'm allowed to now go and work in the prisons and you know I'm, I know that I know that I know that God is calling me into this so that I can be life and love into this prison and you know it's the gifts at work among us. There's uh, Lots of stories about healing that comes, about miracles happening. Uh, Sarah and I are travelling to Wales in a couple of weeks to go to a conference where uh, stories of healings are regularly happening at this place. For whatever reason, God's just chosen this little corner of the globe to draw people in and then radically heal them and they go out and they go on and then some amazing stories and one of them in particular is a lady suffering from uh, a neurological chronic condition that basically had got her to the point of death. And she somehow, uh, through a friend of hers, got driven down to this place, got radically healed in that time and the friend who wasn't a Christian and really didn't want to take her there for fear that the trip would kill her, as the doctors had told him, uh, came to then see her radically healed, gave his own life to Christ, they later got married and then started a healing ministry themselves... This is happening, and it's not happening far away. It's happening here around us if we have eyes to see. You know, one of the things uh, that's happened in, again, sorry to give my kooby context, but it's where I minister, Um, about three years ago we received a prophecy in just a prayer time about children. Coming to know the Lord. Children being an important part of our work down at Kubelup. And, you know, we prayed about that and sought the Lord about, our, about that over the years. And one of the things that immediately rose up was um, starting a Kubi Tots on a Wednesday morning. And so that's just exploded over time, really just from word of mouth, of non-Christians coming into our building week in. Week out, seeing the love of God in all the posters that we have on the walls, and uh, and one of the ladies in particular has uh, started coming along to our Friday night Alpha group, and she actually comes from a completely different faith, one that will cost her to leave, but she's had as she's uh, been coming to the church and been engaging in Alpha and having visions, literal visions in the night of Jesus himself pulling out of the water she's starting to say yes to him and and to walk that out and so the spirit is pouring out his power among us and he's radically leading us to share that with the world 1 corinthians 14 1 says uh, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts you know this isn't just words on a page it's true The Spirit wants to and does empower us with spiritual gifts if we ask Him and in faith, trust and receive. The Spirit comes to do the impossible so that the world can see that life with Him is possible. The final aspect of the Spirit's power that I want to touch on is in unifying the body of Christ, in unifying God's children with the same spirit in each one. And Ephesians 4 says that we have a unity of the spirit as one body, as one new spiritual family, and with one Lord and one God who is Father of all. And in our recent Glory series, we looked at Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he says, Lord, uh, bring them together as one so that the world will know through their unity that I am in them and I have loved them. Our unity witnesses to the world around us and Acts 2, 42 to 46 is uh, often used as an example of what this kind of unity can do. It says there in summary that the early followers of Jesus devoted themselves to fellowship, meeting daily, eating meals together, sharing everything they had with one another, praising God together and it says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that cool that through our unity, it witnesses to the world that, hey, something's going on here because people of different race and colour and age and stage, richness and poorness are are coming together and getting along and loving one another, doing things for one another, meeting together. And at Kubi, I often uh, laugh because I stand on the door greeting people as they come in in the morning and there's cars everywhere because we've got terrible parking situation uh, and our our neighbours are very gracious about it but because it's on a main road or a busy road, uh, as I stand at the door I often see people driving past and they'll stare the whole way driving past, you know, and I worry about them crashing but they're clearly curious about what's going on. Why are all these cars here? And you know, it it may not be that... uh, you know, anything radical happens to them in that moment but it just sows a seed that there's something different going on there. It witnesses to a reality that they don't otherwise know. It causes them to think about something outside of themselves just as they drive past each week. It matters that we gather together, it matters that we be unified because the Lord can do a work in that and witness to Christ through us Coming together and again i 've been so encouraged this year, so encouraged by the way God has been unifying this church and and using us, using Nick and the leaders and, and this church and you guys to draw other Christians together you know we 've had our Clash of Conviction series, and thirty plus churches gather together for that to come together and learn about you know the the truth of God and how we can together be on the same page and then go forth into the world and, and love and serve people in areas of gender, uh, of identity, sorry, and sexuality and abortion and euthanasia. And, you know, it's, it bears witness to God as we do that. You know, there's been Movement Day uh, happened recently in this church and, again, that was just a, an embodiment of the whole family of God coming together to celebrate and say, look what the Lord is doing and you know, when I experience those things, I, I get encouraged and it builds my faith and it causes me to be re-energized and say, let's share this with people. God is clearly at work in our midst because otherwise how would these wonderful things across our whole city be happening? The Holy Spirit empowers us to, if we yield to Him, the Holy Spirit would draw us together and release His power as a witness to Christ through it. And you know, in the early church, in the book of Acts, when we see these three aspects of of the Holy Spirit's power come upon his people, you know, the the result is world-changing. Human history was radically altered by the coming of the Spirit. And I'm excited about the times we're living in because even though our world is a pretty dark place at the moment, the Spirit is clearly at work among us, church. He's clearly moving to empower us. We may not be experiencing it in the fullness of the early church that we read about but it's heading in that direction. It's happening, it's coming and we need to ask ourselves, Lord, how can we partner with you in that? And so as we uh, head to a close, I just want to touch on two things quickly that we can do to unite uh, together and, and experience his power and And the first is pretty simple really it's just come before god each and every day and ask him to fill us and empower us to live for him with whatever lies before us to help us and empower us to take the opportunities that come to witness to him and you know the bible says that everyone who calls jesus lord receives his spirit has received his spirit you can't call jesus lord without receiving His Spirit. And some of you might need to hear that because faith, uh, sorry, fear and unbelief and feelings of inadequacy or shame will often come into our minds to uh, distract us and to confuse us and to rob us of the knowledge that God has actually implanted His Spirit within us. You know, it's, it's not always easy to hold on to this truth. But the Spirit is given to all and, it, and the Bible also talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Apostle Paul writes uh, his letter to the Ephesians, he's speaking already to people who are Christians and he says in chapter 518, he urges them to be filled with the Spirit and he uses uh, in writing the present continuous tense which basically means... Be filled over and over again. Be constantly aware of the presence and the power of the Lord with you. And, you know, for me, I think of it a bit like, sorry for the crassness, but we're all uh, gas hot stovetops. And before Jesus, we're just turned off, basically, and we're cold and we're lifeless and we're not being used for anything. But when Jesus comes into our lives, he connects us to the gas, ignites it, and lights a flame within us. But of course we know that with those gas flames there can be different temperatures. You know, we can be on a low flame, a, a cold flame, which is weak, and you know, be lucky to boil an egg. Or we can be on a bright flame, on, turned on high, on heat, where that heat and even the sound of the shh of gas can be heard and felt on the other side of the room. I wonder for you today where you sit in that degree of temperature are you burning hot with the presence and the power of the spirit or are you would you say you're a weaker flame and if you are don't be discouraged because Jesus says in Luke 11:13 to his disciples ask and receive seek and find knock and the door will be opened because the father in heaven will give the holy spirit to those who ask him. It's as simple as that. Ask and receive and don't doubt or fear or go back into shame. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the Spirit is yours for the taking. The second thing that I just want to touch on that we can do is as part of receiving the Spirit is what Paul describes as sowing to please the Spirit and not the flesh in Galatians 6. And, you know, he's drawing on a natural principle to explain a spiritual one, that you, what you reap is what, is, well, sorry, what you sow is what you reap. And it's basically the idea that a farmer, you know, when he wants to yield a crop to sell and to live off, he needs to plan what sort of uh, harvest he's going to take in. You know, that's very basic, but if he, if he wants to reap corn, he has to sow seeds of corn. If he wants to reap wheat... He has to sow seeds of re of wheat. And not only that, if he wants a large harvest, he has to sow a lot of seed. If he only sows a few seeds, he'll only reap a low crop. And then he has to be patient, doesn't he? He to, has to wait for the growth to come. And Paul spiritualizes this metaphor to say that we have two choices in life. Because the Spirit doesn't make us robots. The Spirit doesn't come to control us against our will. It would have been that way from the beginning if that's what God had desired. He wants love. He wants choice. Free will exercise to embrace Him. So we have a choice. Are we going to sow seeds that please our flesh, which is just basically, you know, our, our own wants and desires to go our own way? Will we act in ways that just satisfy ourselves? Or will we do things and reorient our thoughts as often as we can to come back to the truth of God and what He wants for our lives. And there's things called spiritual disciplines that are seeds that we can sow to sow towards reaping a life in the power of the Spirit. You know, things like reading the Word, and we talk about these things all the time, but it's because it's real and true reading the Word, praying for others. You know, prayer, we can only sometimes experience the power of God if we actually pray for things to happen. You know, we need to be on our knees regularly praying, Lord, touch this person, fix this situation, provide for me here. And not that he's a cash dispenser, but, you know, it's in that prayer time that we fellowship with him and we learn of what's on his heart and we know what he's saying yes to and we can launch into that in faith. You know, spiritual discipline is confessing sin regularly, keeping a short account of where your life's at before the Lord, gathering together with other believers for accountability, uh, praise and thanksgiving. One of the things that I found powerful in my own life, because before Jesus and even after, if I'm honest, I was a deeply uh, hurt and negative person. And uh, out of that, I would always see the victim of my life and uh, tend to dwell in that place and focus on it. But one day I was driving uh, to work uh, in my second year as a lawyer and and it was a rough time. My boss had stolen money from the trust account and uh, we were being investigated as a firm. I hadn't been any part of that but was being treated as a criminal as a result of his actions. Uh, The clients weren't happy, law's a rough job as it is and so I was miserable and uh, driving to work and just really complaining uh, to God and grumbling in my heart. And I had this crystallizing moment as I was driving there and, and the Spirit said, yeah, okay, I know all that, but why don't you just try being thankful about something? And uh, so I, I did. I just said, thank you, Lord, for this or that. And as I did that, there was this strange... Uh, change in my heart, in my attitude and it didn't fix the problems of the workplace but it fixed me and what was wrong with me and taught me a valuable lesson that thankfulness matters, it has power because regardless of what we face in life and the difficulties that we genuinely face, God is always good and He's always with us and He's always part of our journey You know, it made such a a powerful impact that I've, you know, started, well not started, we've been doing it for a while, but every meal time with our kids, we'll we'll get the kids and Sarah and I to uh, say something that we're thankful for, just to try and develop in them this heart of thankfulness or this habit of thankfulness so that when things are going wrong, they can come back to things that are true and good to dwell on. You know, we can fast from food or other distractions like Facebook or video games. For some of you, uh, food's an issue for me, obviously, but for uh, others of you, it'll be social media, being you know on that all the time and being occupied continuously with things like that that are unhelpful, or video games, or whatever your vice is, um, it'll be there. Serving others, uh, going out and just intentionally choosing to do something for someone else and making that a regular habit of your week. All of this stuff is sowing to the Spirit and when we regularly and faithfully do them, we position ourselves to hear Him, uh, to obey Him and to reap a life characterised by His power that witnesses to those we meet. I'll close with a saying that that says this, I just love this and and I'm going to try and keep it before me all the time and I'm sorry I haven't uh, got it on a slide and if you'd like it later I can give it to you but it says, Sow a thought reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. You know, I just love that. We're not victims of our own nature anymore. We can choose the way of the Lord. In closing, I uh, just wanted us to uh, come together in unity and do something that I know Aussies uh, don't necessarily love doing, and uh, it's very countercultural in a way. But just to pray this Catholic prayer together out loud, because I I don't know about you, but for me again, I need to come before the Lord, and I and I'd love the idea of us as a church saying together as one, as one family, because we're brothers and sisters. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us. And so I'll give you a chance just to read that uh, that prayer through, and then together we'll read it out loud. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and change the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome in your presence, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift. We thank you that you are moving in powerful ways among us. Lord, we want to say yes to what you're doing. We want to be vessels who are filled with your Holy Spirit and who walk in the power of your might. Our world needs it, Lord. We know that. Our world is suffering, Lord. This is the time. This is the place. Come and do what only you can do. And Lord, in a moment of silence now, I just pray that for those who struggle with this, that you would touch them afresh. That right now, you would breathe upon them, that you would awaken them to your presence, that you'd speak a word or give a feeling or bring a scripture or a song to their heart. We give you thanks, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church.